Let me begin with a brief word of prayer. God, we are grateful to be here, as always. Enable us now to focus our thoughts on, on you and uh, on our Lord Christ and, uh, and your spirit. Welcome us into this space, dear Lord. Amen. So the last time I was up here, I said to you that I, I basically wanted to just have a chat and talk about some things I've been thinking about. Uh, and I'm going to do that again today because I didn't get them all out of my system last time. And I may not get them all out of my system this time. I, I, uh, no guarantees. I may have to... You may see me one more with part three. I don't know. I suspect so. Anyway, um, and, and really where I'm at these days, and I've been, I, uh, let's, just, let's just level, let, let's be honest here. I started in the seminary. That's after four years of college. I started at the seminary in 1969. I heard, I saw some of the looks on some of your faces when I said that. 1916, I graduated in 1973, so next year, graduation from seminary will be 50 years. Now, you add the 50 with the other four, and you got 54 years. So for 54 years, I've been thinking about this stuff. I've been processing this stuff. I've been engaged with the Bible. I've been engaged with what we call theology and theological thinking. Now, what does that mean? Not much. It just means that I've been doing it for a while. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean I'm more right than someone who is just starting seminary. Or, it doesn't mean anything like that. But my musings, if you will... Uh, you know, just to, are based on that journey and the fact that in retirement, uh, I have more time to, you know, just kind of process these things. That's what I'm doing. So the last time I was up here, I, I, I unpacked for you uh, some thoughts about the Bible. I suggested that we view the Bible, first and foremost, as conversation. The Bible as conversation, less about it being a rule book, less about it being a book that, okay, I've got this life question, let me see if I can find the verse in the Bible that handles it, especially, by the way, since the Bible was never written to do that. Sorry, but it wasn't. And more to think of the Bible as God's way one of God's ways, actually, of engaging us in conversation, engaging his people. His people of old, the Old Testament people, those Jewish people, and don't forget, the New Testament writers were all Jewish as well. That's our heritage. They were very familiar with uh, being in conversation with their sacred scriptures. They were they were uh, very comfortable with disagreeing. In fact, in the Old Testament, I pointed out to you in the Old Testament and the New as well, there are different traditions there that push back against one another. 
Notice I didn't use the word contradict one another. Okay, because that's just a buzzword we don't need. But they do push back against one another. They, they add to the conversation. So long, I, I don't want to go any further than that. The Bible is conversation. So today, um, I want to unpack the thought that we see Jesus as conversation that we see Jesus as another of God's contributions to our conversation about God and life, all of it, okay? Because it's about all of it. Now, I want to get at that by trying something. If it winds up being silly, I really don't care. That's life. Um, anyway, I'm, I want to. Here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to uh, put a picture up, and I'm going to invite you to identify. I'm going to invite you to respond to the picture with one word. I'm going to start with this group over here, and then I'll get uh, this group. But I, I, I want you to look at the picture. Now, don't be bashful. Just tell me what's the first word that comes to mind when you look at this picture. You ready? Right? What? Queen. Okay, all the rest of you, it's. What did he say? What did he say? <laughs> you know, you have to understand every group has a troublemaker. Okay, that, that's good. Let's, let's see what we can do with this group over here. Okay, let's go with... Let's go with this one. One word. Goat. Like goat. The goat. Michael. <laughs> okay. We can we can have an argue about about the goat thing, but this is my you all you right. Aaron doesn't say we can, but we can. Okay, um, it it won't last long because Aaron is right. But anyway, you know. Uh, but and so when you think about Michael, you think about basketball. Okay, he's not the goat in anything else. If he's the goat, it's in basketball. You think basketball. Michael, basketball, all right? I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's a symbol of that. Now, just for fun, I can give you this one, too. You don't know who this is? You guys don't know who this is? Huh? Harrison, all right. Man... I could have given you the mayor, but that was too easy. Oh man, I'm just I'm just shocked. All right, let, okay, one, okay, one, one word. What's the first word you think of? Don't be cute. What's the first word you think of when you see this? Huh? Facebook, right? Facebook. What were you going to say? 
What did he say? Oh, Zuckerberg. Yeah, right. No, there's no dollar sign here. All right. But very, very, very good. But that face, I mean, you see it, and it says something. I'm on, I, I got more here, but I'm just going to go with one more over here on this side. And uh, what? Well, uh, yeah, but if you miss this one, you shock me, okay? All right. What is that? What's the word? It's a flag, and it's the flag of Canada. Yeah, it's okay to say the word. No more now. That's enough, but, you know. Okay, what's the point? Because there is a point. I'm pretty sure there's a point. The, the point is that when you look at these images, and by the way, I, I could have I brought up some of these uh, emojis on our phones, or I could have thought up more, um, oh, I probably got at least one on here. I could have brought like this one up that's on most of your iPhones. Huh? Settings, settings. It says settings to you for your iPhone. What do we call those? Icons. We call them icons. And there are many who would say that uh, uh, Michael Jordan is an icon when it comes to basketball. Others probably too. Tom Brady for football. <laughs> what? No. I, okay, okay. I got to ignore this side of the room. But then I also have to ignore this side of the room. I'm stuck with you guys, all right? Anyway, okay, let's have, let's have, I, 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 they're icons, they're iconic. What does that mean? It, it means, it's, it's like a flag, a flag is an icon, you see it, and if you're familiar with it, if it's yours particularly, you immediately identify with it. Statue of Liberty, it's iconic. We use that term, it's iconic. If I had shown you a picture, let's see how you can do with your imagination. If I had shown you a picture from the 1920s of a baseball player swinging for the parking lot, left-handed, the babe. Iconic. If I'd have showed you a picture of the babe, most of you, well, I don't know about you Canada people, but most of you would have, would have that's, the, that's Babe Ruth. And they're an icon, and they represent something. They say something. You see them, you see it, and immediately uh, you think of something. Well, here's where I want to go with that. Seriously, I'm going somewhere with that. Okay, I want to go to the Bible. And uh, I want to share a passage with you, with you out, of, uh, uh, out of Colossians, the book of Colossians. Okay, uh, here it is, and it might be up on there. Colossians uh, chapter 1. And uh, the Apostle Paul is writing, and he says, 
the Son, when he says that, who's he talking about? Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. The Son is the image of the invisible God. Now, that word image, the Greek word used there for image is, guess what? Icon. The sun is the icon of the invisible God. When you look at the sun, you are to see God. The firstborn over all creation. And there's more, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... It's the icon. One of the things that I've really enjoyed about some trips, particularly in the Middle East, is going into, like in Greece and in Israel, uh, you go into these Orthodox churches. In Greece, of course, they'd, all, they'd be Greece, Greek Orthodox. That's about what all of them are. And <clears throat> on the walls, you'll see... Um, you'll see icons. They're not the greatest works of art, okay? I mean, seriously, they're not. They're, they're good. They have something to say. They point to something beyond themselves. Well, often in uh, these icons, uh, if you were to look closely, if you ever make a trip like this, you're in those, you look for this symbol. You, you look for a hand down here, or a hand like this, and it's doing this. This is an icon. Want to guess what it means? What might this mean? God became human. The dual natures of Jesus. Okay? Well, by now you ought to know what these three mean. Right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's been around forever. People who are acquainted with it, when they look at it, they think, oh yeah, Jesus. Fully human, fully divine. God, three in one, the Trinity. It's, it's, it's iconic. And Paul says that Jesus is an icon. He's iconic. And he says he's an icon of the invisible God. The one, if I'd gone on, the one who created everything. By the way, who created everything through the Son. Let's not go too much deeper, right? But through the Son. Jesus active in creation as well. So, what does that mean? To me, it means that to look at Jesus and to listen to Jesus is to be in conversation with God. To, to, to talk about Jesus, to talk about the stories of Jesus, both stories of what he did and stories that he told. To think about, Jesus intended that with his parables, you know. Only one of the parables of Jesus, only one, does he explain what the parable means. Only one. All the others he's leave, he leaves hanging. Why? Because he's inviting those around him 
Now you think about that. What he said before almost every one of those parables is this. The kingdom of God is like. And then he tells the story. And it's the job of those listening to think about, to talk about. What's the story? What, what could it be saying about the kingdom of God? That's what's going on here. So I think it's important to, uh, 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 to, to, to be in conversation with the Bible, to be in conversation with the person of Jesus as he's revealed through the Bible, and not be afraid to ask any and all questions we've got. It's okay. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to present new ideas. The church ought to be a safe place. You hear that from Aaron all the time. In which we can do that. Because, in my opinion, it's what God always intended uh, for, the, for the church to be. So, what, is that, what else does that mean? Let's do it, let me, let me put it this way, in relationship to Jesus and the rest of the Bible, okay? Uh, Jesus is iconic. He represents God. He's the visible image, the icon of the invisible God. That is critical. Nobody else gets that said about them. Just Jesus. So there's something critical about that for me. doesn't have to be for anybody else, but for me. It means that when I look back at the Old Testament and I read it and I engage in it and in conversation with it, uh, you know, I, I do it through my Jesus lens. I put that lens on all the time. If I'm going to believe that Jesus is God become human, if I'm going to believe that in Jesus we see and hear from God, what other choice do I really have? Except to look at what's gone before through the eyes of Jesus. And that means for me, there are places where I just flat out question it. And I said, it doesn't work for me. What, what else might the story be trying to say? What, what might be going on here? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, don't you? I'm talking about work. The easy way. Is, oh, the Bible's just a rule book. Just follow the rules. You'll be good. Oh, and don't forget to uh, receive Jesus into your heart so you're saved for eternity. Don't forget to do that one. And then, oh, yeah, and, and it's got a bunch of answers. I, you know, there, there's even a guy on the radio who calls himself the answer man. You ask a question, he's got the answer. A biblical guy. So. No, you don't look at, I don't, I, I, I am not afraid to ask, to ask the questions, to wonder what else is going on here. This doesn't, this just doesn't jive with, 
with Jesus, okay? Um, and then I can do the same thing with the New Testament, and I, I'm going to do one here, and then I'll end, and I'll tell you what the next part of the conversation is for another time. But Jesus' conversation, that means that when I'm reading the New Testament, I'm also assessing anything in, in the New Testament, most of which is the writings of one man, right? St. Paul, attributed to him anyway. Uh, I do that through the lens of Jesus. Can I, let me just give you one example. I could give you more, but I'm going to give you one because for me it's the easiest one. <laughs> okay, it's the easiest one. So let me read, show you two passages of Scripture. One is going to be from Luke chapter 4. All right, Luke chapter 4. No, that's not it. There it is. Luke chapter 4. All right. He, Jesus, went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, his home. And on the Sabbath day, he went into this synagogue, as was his custom, love those words. He stood up to read. What that means is the head elder, if you will, of the synagogue, knowing Jesus' reputation, said, hey, you get to preach today. Okay? You get to open Torah, you get to read, and uh, say what you need to say. Okay? So that's what's going on. Jesus stood up, he, uh, uh, stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. You get the inference that Jesus didn't have any choice about what he was going to get. Here it is. Unrolling it, he found, sounds to me like he was searching for it, he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Now, that is kingship language. That's emperor language. Emperors and kings are anointed. Because he, God, has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the year of Jubilee, and it's a year of incredible freedom. It's all about setting people free. It's all about that. And in the Old Testament, the New Testament, we run across that all the time. It's all about sending people for setting people. That, that's Jesus. That's his mission statement. That's what Jesus is about. So when I get to the I get to the writings of Paul. I got to deal with this one. Uh, and I'll skip the first few verses, guys, to get to. Oh, that's a nice picture, but not the one I wanted. It was just of my family. They're, they're a pretty good bunch. Anyway, um, uh, I'm gonna, he's giving instructions to Christian households, okay? Now, Christian households in Paul's day in Rome, Colossus, Ephesus, that, that was mom, dad, unless one of them was gone or dead. Uh, mom, dad, the kids, and the slaves. It is estimated that 50% of the population of the Roman Empire 
were slaves. All right? So Paul gives instructions to moms and dads and kids. And then he says this. Slaves, obey your earthly... Oh, this thing keeps jumping on me. Actually, it doesn't jump on me. It means I'm putting my fingers where they're not supposed to go. But then you already knew that. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it, not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of charity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Do it in the name of God. Be obedient to your masters. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, as if you're doing it for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. And he goes on one brief sentence to tell slave owners to treat their slaves well. Well, you know, if you know anything about history, you know that those verses of the Apostle Paul were used in Christendom to affirm, promote, explain slavery. Went on in this country 250 years. That's half of our history, and you can make a case. You really can, that it continued after after that. That's another conversation. Um, So when the Apostle Paul says, obey your master's slaves, here's my question of Paul. Why the heck didn't you tell those masters You have no business owning slaves. We're all created in the image of God. What the heck are you doing owning people created in the image of God? Why didn't he say that? I can give you some reasons that scholars give and defenders of Paul give, but I won't. Because I think it's beyond defense. I think Paul should have said, give them their freedom. Set them free. Be different as Christian households. Hire your slaves to be servants if you want. But set them free. Because what did Jesus say? He came to set the prisoners free. A slave's a prisoner. To give preach uh, to, to preach justice to the poor, right? Paul, you knew that. No. Oh, I look through my Jesus lens at what Paul said here, and I appreciate the fact that Paul was just trying to keep people together and keep the peace and all that. But he was wrong. Period. Exclamation mark if you need it. (laughs) Okay, pray with me.